Hey, uh, before we get to the show, real quick, uh, you should join my email list. It's great. It's free. You'll get updates on my latest writing, podcasts, whatever I come out with. And best part, I recommend books every month. Think of it like a fun little cheat code to figure out which books are worth your time, which books will stay with you, and which books might just change your life. And if you're not convinced, here's a testimonial from a robot. Oh my god, I love this new sweater. Okay, you mean newsletter. No, I mean my new sweater. No, you mean newsletter. No, I love this new sweater. Newsletter. New sweater. New New sweater. News. News. Letter. Letter. Newsletter. New sweater. You can sign up at monish.net slash insider. Monish spelled M-O-H-N-I-S-H. Again, that's monish.net slash insider. Sweaters. I love sweaters. Our entire lives, we've had this feeling. Instead, our opinions feel objectively correct. You feel like you know pickles taste incredible, or that Napoleon Dynamite is a great movie, or that Hoobastank is kind of an okay artist. You also know that it's perfectly likely that your friend Mike hates pickles, didn't care for Napoleon Dynamite, and thinks that Hoobastank is the most innovative development in music since Mozart. Yet, there is this notion that won't die. And it's the notion that someone can have good taste. The notion that your taste can be better than Mike's taste. But what is that? More to the point, does the idea of having good taste make any sense at all? Well, first, let's meet Anna. Uh, My name is Anna Leonard. And she's not like the rest of us. But we'll get to that later. Uh, Speaking of movies... Have you guys seen Have you guys seen Wet Hot American Summer? No. No. It's, no. it's on Netflix, so I recommend you watch it. But this is a movie. Wait, wait, is it, wait, hold up. Is it the one with the Jane? The, the theme song? Or no? Am I totally? No, <laughs> I don't know what that is. What's the th- is there is 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 it a TV show? It's well, it originally it was a movie. So this movie okay. came out in the either the late '90s or like 2000. It's the first time I watched it, I was like, what is this? This is horrible. Why am I watching this? And then I watched it again and again and again because for some reason it was always, or like my, it was my brother's favorite movie and he just kept putting it yeah, on whatever yeah. and I'd be in the room. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, but like kind of over time, I was like, wow, this is hilarious. And like, I feel like I didn't get it before. Now I get it. But here's a surprise though. Wet Hot American Summer has a 33% Rotten Tomato score, and it was a complete disaster when it launched. So, why does she like this movie? Now I can it this that is the only movie I can watch, and I'll I'll still find it just as funny as as you know before when when originally I yeah. hated it. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry tangent, but but here's a second surprise. That movie has an audience review of 76%. And do you want to know the difference between 33% and 76%? It's a difference between all of your friends hating something and all of your friends completely and absolutely loving something. It's a difference between knowing what is good and having no idea what good even means. So here's a question. Do you have good taste? On this episode, we investigate. My dad is like the 
biggest wine connoisseur and I'm getting married I'm getting married in September and he's all about the wine and like how do you like this one and how do you like this one and how do you like and I'm like oh my god like I I know that you care so much and like you're putting so much time into this but like I just scientifically speaking I can't appreciate what you've got to offer here so uh here's a simple question that's extremely hard to answer why does her dad like wine and she doesn't. Well, to, to kind of get at that simple question that's actually extremely hard, it's good to understand Anna's secret. This was Mrs. <laughs> Chow's ninth grade bio class. She handed out those strip thingies with the chemical name that I don't remember. It starts with a P. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you don't like know a what? pH strip? Yeah, it looks exactly like a pH strip. She looked up the chemical name. Okay, it's P-R-O-P. <laughs> it's P-R-O-P are the, like, is the abbreviated abbreviated version. It sounds something sure. like phenol... It's just a long word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so she's in Miss Chow's class. You're studying genetics. Um, and... Uh, she handed us this piece of paper and I put it mm-hmm. in my mouth and immediately I was like, oh, that's terrible. It's so bitter. And then if you could taste it, if you could taste something, you were a super taster. I think what goes along with it, I have a very heightened sense of smell. Like I will know if you change your mm. cologne, I will know before I even see you. Like, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, you must have a... Well, <laughs> before you even meet me, you'll no, know, like, just in immediately. Co- in college, in my dorm, um, there, was a co- there was this one person in particular who um, just smelled very strongly, and I would know she was coming before I could see her. And like, <laughs> and like I would dread... In addition to like, the GPS tracker you had on her, you also... <laughs> could smell her just Yeah. Exactly. Uh, plus, she reports yeah. uh, she makes cookies that make people in her office go. Man, those cookies. <laughs> so you get brownie points in the office. So. But being a super taster is really just a fancy way of saying someone who can taste something with more intensity. It's, it's about um, how you perceive taste based on what types of taste receptors you have and how many of them. Um, and so certain tastes, you know, uh, might be completely different to you than, than someone else. And do you know what super tasters are really sensitive to? Bitter foods. It's like, I just don't like wine. I can't eat, I'm like, do I have to pretend to like this stuff or pretend to like, you know, care (laughs) the difference between, it's like, it's all bad to me. (laughs) Wow. Also, also, grapes are fine. Uh, they taste amazing when you just yeah. don't do anything to them. Yeah, that's. I, I don't know it why. Was totally good enough. I'm Basically, totally cool with grape juice. Yeah, we didn't need to put it underground for six years or whatever they do. So a big chunk of the world loves wine. She doesn't. But who's right? Right. So on one hand, it's completely arbitrary. Doesn't matter. But on the other hand. The difference between knowing what's good and knowing what's not is the difference between your coworker who watches Food Network and cooks every now and then, makes a brownie, and someone who becomes a three-star Michelin chef. That is not a small gap. So, can you have good taste? Well, there is a second person I want you to meet. 
I'm Paul Rosen. I'm a professor of psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. And for the last 30 or 40 years, my major interest has been in humans' relationships to food, why we eat what we eat, what, how we change our preferences and things like that. So Paul isn't just another scientist. He's a king in psychology and is famous for his work on disgust and taste. And one day, Paul tried to do the impossible. It might be one of the biggest challenges any human has ever had to face. He tried to get his teenage son interested in classical music. I, I, I adopted a Vietnamese son. My biological kids all love pop and classical music. They were raised with it. But he didn't, and he, he was not interested. And I tried to get him to sit down and just listen to some classical music. I remember I, I, I picked one of the wrong examples. I picked the Bach Mass in B minor, which is one of the greatest pieces of music ever written, but not the simplest. But he listened to it and he says, that's good shit, Dad. <laughs> and he never became a fan of classical music. But here's a fun fact. So I'm a super taster. And I t sense bitter what other people don't. And, it, and I find it more aversive. And being a super taster, Paul hates bitter foods like beer. Until one day, he did something pretty radical. I don't like beer. Or I didn't like beer because of the bitterness. But I actually worked on it. I drank a lot of beer. I mean, not a lot in one time, but over <laughs> years I would have it on and off. Yeah. And I got to the point where I sort of like it. And then he did it with spicy foods, something he hated. And that's true of hot pepper for me, too. I didn't like it originally, but I thought it was really worth getting this ex positive experience. So I would eat a fair amount of it over time in restaurants and stuff. And eventually I now like it. Not very hot, but I like moderately spicy food. So... I need you to understand something here, because understanding this helps you understand how to have good taste. Because when I say, man, Nancy has great taste in shoes, and oh my God, I love her purse, what we're saying is that Nancy is... Very sophisticated. They understand the domain they're talking about. They seem to be able to tell different things apart and to match, in general, their preferences with the other people who are thought to be sophisticated. But Paul's taste in food changed. Imagine today you hate Van Gogh and then, boom, I snap my fingers, you love it. That's weird. Taste, it's not just something you have or you don't have. There's something else that changes it. In a, in a particular dish like coffee, I find it unbearably bitter. But there are people who come to like the bitterness. It's not that they're sensitive or not, that the same bitter signal which they originally disliked comes to be liked. And that's an amazing turn that we see over and over again in humans, as we talked about in roller coasters and all sorts of things, where they take something negative and after some experience with it, it becomes positive. But, but, but exposure is almost always necessary. That is, if you take something that's innately negative, whether it's the fear in a roller coaster or the burn in your mouth from chili pepper, you have to experience it a number of times to get this transformation. You know what else it explains? Wet Hot American Summer. And then all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, but like kind of over time, I was like, wow, this is hilarious. And like, I feel like I didn't get it before. Now I get it. So Anna hated Wet Hot American Summer. Then she watched it three billion times and snap, she liked it. So which Anna was right? The old Anna or the new Anna? Well, uh... I don't know, but I do know this, your taste can change.
and good taste is something you can earn. Paul breaks it down. So they can eat something and do a better job of telling you what its components are, like garlic, a little wine, maybe some vegetable. I mean, they could analyze foods better. And so can a music person if they listen to a piece of music. But that's not got to do with their sense organs. That's got to do with how they organize this flood of material coming in. And that's the key point, is that it doesn't matter if you're a super taster, it's something else that's at play. Well, there's one question you're asking is whether your receptors are more finely tuned. Yeah. If you are a connoisseur or know something very well. And the answer to that is probably no. That is, it's probably not what's going to your brain, but rather what you do with the information that comes to your brain. So people who like chili pepper and people who don't probably get the same brain signal from their mouth. So it's not their receptors that differ. It's rather what the brain makes of it, how it, how it interprets it. And in one case, it's, it's liked. And in another case, it's disliked. Um, so, for example, it wouldn't make sense to ask the question, do you think Picasso had really good eyesight? Better than yeah. this person. Probably that's irrelevant. <laughs> Probably yeah. irrelevant whether Mozart had better hearing. I mean, clearly he wasn't deaf. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, it, it's something much higher. So if I were to be like, hey, Paul, I want better taste. Is that a stupid question? No, first of all, it is not, it is not a fruitless thing. I would let me just say it with wine, because it's a little easier. I'm not a wine connoisseur, but I would say to them, okay, let's take these two grapes. They're different grapes. Let's see if we can get you to tell them apart. So it means you're paying attention to different things mm. that make a difference. It's just like when you walk into a room, some people see everything in relationships and other people don't notice anything, right? Their yeah, eye is yeah. getting the same signal. Uh, so you say to them, here is, look at the quality of this grape. Look at the quality of that grape. See, that's different. Now let's take that same grape and let's take a wine that's five years old, 10 years old, and 15 years old. And I want you to taste those three. And I want you to see what happens when you age a wine. And you see that, you know, what flavor, what features become weaker, what features become stronger, what different melt, melt experiences of different flavors come together. And you get a sense of how does a grape differ? How does the aging do something? And you work with that and you get a lot of experience like that. And then you can uh, make, tell, not only tell things apart, which is important, but you also can get a sense of what's really good. And discernment is key. You're looking for patterns, the little details that matter that most people miss. So they can eat something and do a better job of telling you what its components are, like garlic, a little wine, maybe some vegetable. I mean, they could analyze foods better. And so can a music person if they listen to a piece of music, but that's not got to do with their sense organs. That's got to do mm -hmm. how they organize this flood of material coming in. You get all this information to your brain from your tongue, from your nose, or from your ears if it's music, and you have to do something with it, order it somehow, or, you know, get, put some structure in with the case of music, I think it's what you would say. You have to understand its structure. So that in order to appreciate it, you have to understand that there's a structure that's producing it and that, and that structure is playing with itself. It's, it's playing with your expectations, but that requires you to be exposed to the music for a while, to the style. 
whether it's classical music or pop music or whatever it is. So that's getting to like a piece of music has some, some of the same qualities as getting to like a dish. In the sense that in both cases, you're probably not very engaged at the beginning if you've never heard that style of music. But you listen, your friends like it or something, and you listen for a while, and then something happens that you start making sense of it. Would you say that having good taste for something, like I have good taste in shoes, good taste in whatever, is that akin to knowing something really well? So if I like really dive into classical music, I will come out on the other end. I think you're, you're on to something. Generally speaking, people who have, we say have good taste know the domain very well. Yeah. But I mean, it turns out that almost everyone who knows classical music well sort of agrees on what the greatest pieces are in classical music. There might be exceptions, right. but they, they have a convergence of taste because you're not only learning the, 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 the genre, you're learning what other people think are the best examples of the genre. So you say to Pope, here's a really, you've had been tasting wines, now I'm going to give you a really great wine. And you'll taste that, and you might not have said this was better than all the others, but you'll say, here's this experience that a lot of people would think, who've got a lot of experience, think is really good. And the odds are, you will get that, you will, you'll learn that, and you'll, you'll really appreciate it. But it's, it's not like something is good in some inherent way. Uh, I mean, some people, uh, you know, some people like Picasso, some people don't like Picasso, some people like Mozart, some people don't. Now you can change. It's very unlikely you're going to go from liking Mozart to not liking Mozart. But it's pretty likely you can go from not liking Mozart to liking Mozart. You just have to listen for a while. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to listen, just just listen. I mean, just listen, literally. Most people get to like it. So there's a big question mark here. There's people who like pickles and enjoy Napoleon Dynamite, and then there's people who don't. And on some level, whether you're right or the other person's right, I don't know. Whether it's Anna or Dad or it's you versus the world, I don't know. And even as you train your taste to be good, as Paul mentions, it's not objectively good. Now, what does it mean that's really good? It means that the experts think is really good. But you know, it's, it's complicated because a lot of people don't want to like the, the, the food or the, the things that, that, are the, that are the exemplars of people with good taste. They don't want it. And that's, they're fine not to want it. It's sort of arbitrary. What's a good wine is sort of arbitrary, you know. Good taste, I think, is real. We can make things that people like, and we can also make things that people don't like. And that is defined by the taste you have and the taste you don't have. But it's complicated. For now, I think, until I see it, I'll have to take Anna's word that Wet Hot American Summer isn't a bad movie. Moonwalks, hosted and produced by me, Monish Narajan, and co-hosted by Kevin Zanji. A big thanks for episode feedback to Jared Sport, Justine Brum, and Kevin Zanji. A special thanks to Anna Leonard and Paul Rosin for coming on the show. 
To sign up for the email list to get book recommendations, go to monish.net slash insider. Again, it's monish.net slash insider. Uh, music is by Poddington Bear, Bit Basic, and Kevin Boyd. This is the last episode of Moonwalk, but it's not over yet. I'll be relaunching this podcast with a new title, a new cover, and a brand new direction in the coming months. I think you'll love it. Stay tuned for a follow-up announcement. For now, this is me, signing off.